The Media Files for July 10th, 2020 is made possible by leveldowngames.com. On with the show. Everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Media Files, a podcast brought to you by leveldowngames.com. For those of you new to this podcast, The Media Files is an all-purpose pop culture review to help you get through those boring water cooler conversations. I am your host, Kyle, and with me in my second chair today is the curator of the Crazed Eleven Twitch stream, as well as the co-host of the Max Level podcast and Hit Our Music and All Elite Wrestling podcast, Dan. What's going on, everybody? You make me sound very important. I appreciate that. Well, you do so many freaking things, man. This is their, This is going to be the third podcast that you're on this week because you're I on, know. like I said, you're on Max Level. You co-host that with me and Brian and everybody else that's on that podcast. And then you do all of our uh, Hit Our Music, the AEW podcast, right? Yes. Yeah, which drops uh, every Thursday. And then you uh, stream on those on the days that you aren't report- recording podcasts. You're like a professional entertainer, my man. Uh, yeah, I'm just not getting paid professional wages yet. None of us are. I feel like I feel like that's a constant battle in my life is getting paid what I feel like I'm worth. That's not true. Yeah. I feel like my job my job is very kind to me. I like my job. If anybody from my job is listening, I'm very happy <laughs> with my job. Don't get mad. I don't know if any. I know. I know. You. One of my coworkers uh, walked by me a, a couple weeks ago, and he's like, "Hey, man, I've been listening to the media files. It's a good." show so uh you, you know thanks thanks to my coworkers, i guess that are listening man mazel tov to them and, and thanks to that so yeah that's really cool good stuff man but i am super duper excited to have you here today because this is something that you and i have been meaning to talk about for a long time and it's something that we've been wanting to talk about and we've been avoiding talking about because we've been wanting to do this show so much we've been avoiding it on the max level podcast we've been avoiding it in discord we've been avoiding it in every way possible so today we are finally going to talk about the last of us part two if i ever were to lose you i surely lose myself everything i have found here i'm not found by myself The Last of Us Part 2 is a post-apocalyptic story-driven video game about a 19-year-old girl named Ellie. Most of humanity and civilization has been destroyed by the Cordyceps fungus, which turns those unlucky enough to contract it into cannibalistic monsters known as the infected, or zombies. Set just a few years after The Last of Us, Ellie and Joel now live in a peaceful town called Jackson, but when calamity strikes, Ellie sets out on a quest of guilt and revenge. The Last of Us Part 2 was released on the PlayStation 4 exclusively on June 19th, 2020, developed by Naughty Dog, and features world-class acting performances from Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, Laura Bailey, Jeffrey Pierce, Shannon Woodward, Ashley Birch, and many, many more. The Last of Us Part 2, for those that are not into video games, is a huge step in video gaming. People have been waiting for this for a long time. The Last of Us Part 1 came out in 2013, I believe, and people have been really, really focused on getting the second part of this video game because the first one, not that it leaves off on a cliffhanger, but definitely leaves some open threads to the story. And this has been the long-awaited sequel and the long-awaited resolution to that. Now, saying that, saying that this is the long-awaited resolution, it has come with 
a lot of controversy, wouldn't you say, Dan? A ton, man. It's, you know, it was almost hard to kind of avoid spoilers and seeing what people were upset about. So it's nice that we're going to be able to kind of dive into that and actually talk about it now because I do have some very, uh, you know, a lot of things I want to say about it. So do I. And I successfully avoided spoilers going into it. Did you? Yeah, me as well. I had no idea what was happening. Uh, I was shocked, you know, as soon as it happened, you know, I, yeah, good. I, no spoilers. So, it was good. So this all hit kind of fresh for you as you saw it happen in the game. And it did for me too. And just for everybody listening, if you do plan on playing The Last of Us Part 2, I would wait until after you play it and after you complete the game to listen to this episode because we are going full spoiler cast on this episode. We will be talking about a lot of plot points from the game, a lot of story elements from the game that happen you know, a couple hours into the game all the way to the very last moments of the game. And so make sure that if that's something that you want to avoid spoilers for, then wait on listening to this episode because we don't want that to uh, ruin your experience of the game at all. But like I said, the controversy surrounding this game has been very palpable and very real in a lot of different circles. If you look at the Metacritic score of the game, the meta score is at a 94. And that's the score that they kind of, you know, add in all of the critics from, from different outlets that have reviewed this game and given it a score 94 out of 100 is remarkably high it may be the highest game this year i think maybe persona 5 royal has gotten a similar score uh, but but it's a very very high score the user score is 5.3 to give you that's insane yeah i mean it's very low and to give you some sort of idea about how low that is it was much lower just a few days ago it was, or, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago, it was down in the threes at one point. And then I think some people have kind of come around to giving it a higher score. But the idea being that the, the, the people in general have found a lot of issue with the story elements and the, and the plot that this game has, has driven towards. I want to start with one of the, I think what's one of the most least controversial things that <laughs> happens in this game. And yeah. that's, that's dogs. One of the new uh, enemies that you do have to fight in this game is dogs and the enemies the human enemies not the infected enemies are using dogs as a resource now to sniff out you know your character if you're hiding behind something they can track onto your scent and the dogs are vicious now they die easily but they're very quick and if they get you they pin you down and that can mean death for you now I'm not a I'm not a pet person. I don't have any pets personally, but I know you have dogs. I do, and they can occasionally be heard during the various podcasts every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> every now and then, you hear yes, flurry in the in. background with a little yes. yip. Yeah. So yeah, I have two little um, long-haired miniature dash hounds. How did you feel going into this game, knowing that potentially you were going to have to shoot and kill dogs? So, you know, my play style was I want to check, you know, every every building, every nook and cranny, you know, I'm looking for the collectibles, the cards, the coins, you know, all that stuff. So in order to do that, you kind of have to clear out the area. Uh, you, You can, there are some stealth mechanics and you can try to stealth your way through it. But to do what I wanted to do, you kind of got to get rid of everybody. And that included taking care of some dogs. And it was, it's still, even towards the end of the game, I wasn't comfortable doing it. Uh, I felt, you know, it's just kind of cringy. It was not a good feeling. It's not something that I, it's probably actually one of the things that affected me the most in the game. And probably one of the things that I was probably not happy about was having to do that. Um, Yeah, it was kind of cringy. I I didn't like it. You know, and initially, I think I was really put off by it, too. Like I said, I'm not a pet person. I don't have any pets in my home, but I grew up with pets and I love animals. And 
one of the things that I do want to say, especially to Naughty Dog's, you know, credit in putting dogs in this game, is that you start out having to kill a couple of these dogs as Ellie. And like you said, if you want to clear these areas and get all the items, then you do have to kill some dogs. But I feel like dogs really get their place to shine in the story as well. And you start to see you. I mean, there's 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 scenes where you play catch with the dogs, right? You play fetch with them. And then there's scenes where you can just pet them. And you talk about the characters talk about how they were raised up with these dogs and how they lived with them and how they love them. And they're almost family, it seems like, in a lot of regards to some of these characters. And so while I think that it's very tough to take out some of these dogs and the dogs not knowing good from bad, right? Only doing what they've been commanded to do. Of course. You you get to see the good side of them as well and they don't play only an enemy role. No, I mean, and you know, in Abby's story, they kind of had one most of the time, at least until up until, what was it? I think day three when I think Ellie killed her dog. Right. I forget the dog's name. I can't remember. I can't either. I, I should have written it down. But I mean, it's a it's a moment that at first doesn't strike very hard. But let's kind of jump into that that little segue there as well. You also play as a different character in this game. You play as Abby and not just Ellie. Now, in the first game, you played as Joel. And there were small sections, I think, that you got to control Ellie here or there. But this one is you start the game as Ellie and then about halfway through the game, the game entirely shifts. You go back in time and you start playing the game entirely as Abby. And it's at that point that you start to see that these enemies that you've kind of been hunting or chasing down throughout this entire game are real people with real lives and and real emotions and problems of their own. And you're, to some degree, just a minor problem for these people, you know, but they're chasing you down as you're chasing them down. And this enemy from the beginning of the game all of a sudden becomes a protagonist, which is which is something that happens with the dogs as well. And I think that's very intentional. I think the developers meant to do that, that you start to see everything from both sides of the story. So how did you feel going into like that play style with Abby, knowing that she was at one point an enemy, but now all of a sudden becomes a protagonist? Um, it did take the wind out of Earth. I, I guess it killed some of my momentum. And I at remember first, you saying that because it, it yeah. kind of makes you start over like the progression system as well for, for a, a little bit. Correct. Exactly. You know, you're grinding with Ellie and you're getting there and, you know, you're putting in the time and you finally get to the aquarium and and then, yeah. Yeah, you end up starting over with Abby. So at first, I was not uh, I was not a fan of it. It actually did, like I said, it kind of killed my momentum, and it just it killed my mood a little bit. But the the farther uh, in that I got with the Abby story, it actually is, was just a little bump in the road for me. To me, it's not a big deal anymore. Um, I like the way that they did this. Like you had said, we got to see uh, both sides of the story. We got to see, you know, because we were trying to figure out why. Why did uh, Abby and these people want to kill Joel? Why did they want to do it, you know? And now we come to find out as we go on, you know, through the Abby and her flashbacks, we start to find out why Abby did what she did. And we we learn that the doctor that you kill at the end of The Last of Us Part 1 is the father of Abby. And you meet Abby really early in The Last of Us Part 2. Um, she she actually comes in and you kind of do this little mountainous trek with her in this lodge that they're camping in. And yeah, her with her and right, Owen. 
Yeah, and a couple other people. I think there's there's quite a few people there, yeah. but Owen does play an integral part uh, in that chapter. And you really just view her as a villain right off the bat. I mean, they oh, set yeah. her up in a way that is is really painful for everybody involved. And you don't find out till later that that Joel killed her dad at the end of the first game, but it becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly. And kind of morphing into this game where The Last of Us Part 1, I felt like the enemies were the infected, right? The zombies. Yes. And you're constantly fighting them throughout the game. And in The Last of Us Part 2, the infected almost just felt like a barrier or a hurdle that you had to cross between different spots. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, the real enemies that you have to come across are the different humans and and I like that you get to kind of cross to the other side of the coin or the other side of the mirror as it were and see from the enemy standpoint that these are people that have relationships and are just trying to survive in this horrible post-apocalyptic world just like Ellie and Joel and the town of Jackson have been doing. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like I said, it really um, shows that there are two sides, you know, to everything. Just because, you know, if we only saw Ellie's side, you know, we would completely uh, understand, you know, the, the hatred she had. Uh, and hating Abby and, and Owen and all that. But once we get to explore Abby's story and we get to see her flashbacks with her dad and them trying to save, was it the zebra that was caught in the barbed wire? Yes, yes. There's a zebra because they're they're hunting at a, like a rundown zoo, I think it is. Yep. Yeah. And, so, they, and they go for a zebra. Yeah. Yeah. We get these flashbacks and we really get to dive into the Abby story. And like I said, at first I didn't like it, but as I got more and more into it, it it wasn't a big deal to me, um, and I really liked the direction that they went, unlike a lot of people. And I did, too. And it was something that when I reached out to you after I had reached that part of the game, you got there before I did. But I texted you and I said, this is the this is part of the controversy of this game. Part of the controversy is that we switch protagonists to one of the enemies. I mean, I think that is such a brilliant move on Naughty Dog's part. I think it's such a such a very cool story mechanic to bring into a game to set it apart from literally any other game. And I think that if we played Ellie's story the entire time going into that game, how the ending hits when this whole resolution oh. between Abby and Ellie kind of comes to pass, it would not have been nearly as impactful because you would not have cared for Abby at all. No, not at all. And uh, if you do get a chance to go back and watch my VOD, it really, the ending of this game really messed with me. I wasn't expecting uh, the way that it, to go. And it really just, I don't know, man, it just, the emotion uh, that this game put me through, um, really, I don't know. It, it kind of, to me, it made me look, I don't know, just made me look at my own life a little bit to kind of take a step back on certain things and you know again see see both sides of the stories i actually really enjoyed abby as a character also i thought that she was really interesting she was really complex and one of the things that i liked most about her was that even the people she was around really hated her a lot of people didn't like her and there's a scene where she goes to find owen who's who's left the the wolf compound she's part of this group called the wolves and Owen leaves and goes to the aquarium, which is somewhere that he's taken her before. And after they spend some time together and a graphic scene, by the way, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, yeah, I was a, not a, expecting a, that either. A graphically romantic scene. But after this, 
another character shows up named Mel, and Mel is pregnant, presumably with Owen's child, as as we're led to believe, right? Yes, we are. And Mel says something to Abby where she says, I don't like you, I never have, and nobody does. Says these things to Abby, and you realize that Abby, as you're playing her and as you're kind of getting attached to her, Nobody else in the game really enjoys her presence at all, with the exception really of Owen. And she is this she is this lone wolf character. And as her story kind of progresses, she kind of, you know, pulls away from the wolf organization as well. She decides to leave because she starts helping out a Seraphite, which is kind of this third group of humans. And they're they're seen as cultists almost. They have this weird goddess deity being that they worship and they they do these rituals and these chants and wear robes, right? But this ex-Seraphite and his sister end up saving you at some point and you have to save her life in return. And this this storyline kind of creates a bond between Abby and this young Seraphite named Lev. And the two of them, as they as they go into it, you start to see the humanity in Abby come out a little more in ways that I don't think I was expecting initially. But in a very interesting story that felt in a lot of ways a mirror to Ellie's story and how she was kind of this outsider outcast from her own group as well. Yeah, it, it does. There are a lot of similarities between the two. Um, you know, we do. Uh, you realize that Abby yeah, is very alone in in the world, and in a, in a world where you kind of need you know the closeness and you know to have a group because of the craziness that is going on that you can sure. run into. Um, it, it is crazy to see that such a uh, uh, like a uh, powerful uh, character, um, which is another controversy uh, that people were talking about. Um, oh, geez, what a what a joke! And I've got my own opinions about that, but carry on, carry on. Um, but you know this this buff, muscular woman that you would think just has a strong personality is truly is like you said is really alone and um, just trying to. Um, rectify or justify or get revenge on you know the, the people that killed her father because maybe that was really her only you know bond and uh, to not right. feel alone right and and you get a lot of hints of that along the way now the big spoiler that comes a couple minutes or a couple hours into the game rather is that on a on a routine trip out into the wilderness to sweep the area for zombies Joel gets captured by this by this group of wolves led by Abby and Owen and a couple of their their uh, friends or co-workers I don't know this co-soldiers as it were and they bring them back bring Joel back to this lodge and Ellie goes out in search for him finds him and he's beaten nearly to death and with Ellie watching and again just a couple hours into the game the the main character from the first game, Joel, is struck in the head with a golf club and killed brutally on the floor of this lodge. Now, I know that a lot of people have really disliked this part, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But can I say that this was, I think, one of the smartest decisions that Naughty Dog could have made going into this game? Now, I want to say, first of all, I love when a major character dies in a story. I think that the courage it takes to kill a major character, the... the 
the the guts that you need to actually pull off a move like that and go through with a story with one of your main characters missing, I think is is very courageous. And if the story plays out well, which I think The Last of Us Part Two did, I think it's one of the best decisions you can make for a story. Yeah, I did not see it coming. Um, and I think even with like the trailers for The Last of Us Two, it does a very good job of hiding it because now you Absolutely, know once yeah. once you play through the game, you see that there's flashbacks. So even though, you know, I think it was a, a two and a half, three hours in, we see Joel get beaten to death in front of Ellie, and you know, so you think you're not going to see him the rest of the game. Well, you end up having these flashbacks of a younger Ellie. Um, you know, going through um a museum with dinosaurs. Um, there was a astronaut. Um, uh, I, I don't know what it was like. A, an astronaut it's a, it's museum. A spa- it's a space shuttle or a y- yeah, this, yeah, yeah. And it's a it's a really really cool sequence where Ellie kind of disappears into her imagination. Really cool moment. And every flashback that you get between Ellie and Joel is a very, very touching moment between the two of them that, for me, almost, you know, I think those were the moments that pulled on my heartstrings the most because imagining what it must be like for Joel to be in this this crisis where, at the beginning of the first game, he loses everything. He yeah. loses his daughter, and his daughter is everything to him, and Ellie kind of becomes this daughter figure to him. And the reason that the this whole thing takes place at all is that at the end of the first game, Ellie is at a doctor's table and they're going to kill her because she's immune to this cordyceps virus. And Joel is not going to allow that to happen, even though killing her may bring about a potential cure for the entire world and end this entire, you know, this pandemic, this epidemic, whatever it is. He's not going to allow it to happen because now Ellie has become this kind of daughter figure for him. And so seeing these flashbacks between Joel and Ellie as a father, I mean, really pushed on the emotions that I have with my own children and the and the fears that I have of losing them. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I could never, you know, experience because I do not do not have any kids yet. But even without having kids, I mean, what or you know, participating in, in these in these flashbacks really just, you know, really and knowing what happens, man, it's like it just it, it, it again, the emotional roller coaster that this game makes you feel where you can see Joel dying and you're you're so filled with hate and you just want to get revenge on Abby and then you know towards the end of the game you you feel compassion for Abby I mean it's just it's crazy man the emotions in this game is crazy now at the in the final moments of the game too Ellie finally catches up with Abby for the last time and they have this moment where they are I mean just brutally beating each other in in the in the shallows of the ocean and slicing each other with knives and almost nearly drowning each other and in the final moment Ellie yeah, lets Ellie Abby had, go yeah Ellie had Abby under the water she was she could not get out and I thought she was going to kill her I really did I thought she was going to let her sit there and drown and then like you said in the last few seconds uh, she pulls her up and lets her catch her breath and lets her catch her breath and lets her go. And it's this it's this incredibly cathartic moment, I think, to see Ellie even just a little bit sympathize with a character 
that you are also now sympathetic towards, right? Oh, because yeah. you've yeah. been playing as her for hours. You've been playing as Abby for hours and Ellie for hours and watching them fight each other is terribly painful for for the player, I think. And it was for me. It was really, really painful to watch these two characters go at it because I cared and sympathized with both of them so much. And there are parts where, and we'll, I'll get to this in a couple minutes too, there are parts where Ellie's the bad guy and parts where Abby's the bad guy and there are parts where each of them are the good guys. And so this really cathartic moment comes at the end, I think, when Ellie finally lets her go and gets over this moment. Yeah, and this is actually the second time they kind of had a blow-by-blow fight because a few hours prior to this where I actually thought the game was going to almost, end. Yeah, almost seemed like the final battle of the game. Yeah, so, you know, when... We we, you know, you do Ellie's three days and then you start over with Abby and you get to day three. So you know what's coming. So you get to the aquarium with Abby on day three. And this time you're playing as Abby and you're going blow by blow and you're just going crazy. Well, then Dina gets involved who, you know, we come to find out as the story goes on is a, a kind of a romantic partner for Ellie. Um, and so Abby, you know, beats the crap out of... Uh, Ellie and then Dina gets involved and Abby's about ready to kill Dina and Ellie yells out and says you know stop she has nothing to do with this so then Abby stops beating her gets up and says I better never see you again and then leaves and then we go to this scene where Dina and Ellie are you know in a a farmhouse with a child because Dina was pregnant right uh, with Jesse was his name well Jesse's baby yes Yes, Jesse's baby. Yeah, that's what I meant. I know I'm kind of bouncing the, around. And the baby's name, I think the only hint of the baby's name that you get or that I saw was she carves JJ into a tree. Yes. And I and I don't know if that's Jesse Jr. or Joel Jr., but I think it's one of the two. I thought I read somewhere that some and it was somebody had said it wasn't for Jesse. Okay. So I I initially assumed it was Joel Jr., but his father being Jesse, I could have seen that as well. Correct. But that's where I thought the game was going to end. And then, you know, that's in the theater, right? At the the very last steps of the theater there. And it, it pulls back and you go a year later where you're actually hunting down Abby again as Ellie, as she's kind of trying to find some of her own people down in Santa Barbara. I want to say, too, that mired in controversy as this game is, some of the outcry and response has has hit the headlines. And I've seen headlines on different websites talking about the outcry that, number one, Joel has been killed. And number two, that Ellie, as we come to find out, is not a cisgendered or entirely straight individual, that she might be bisexual or lesbian as this game plays out. And like you just mentioned, she ends up having this romantic relationship with Dina and it sets up this family with Dina and her baby. Right. The outcry to something like that in 2020, I think, is one of the most embarrassing moments I've ever had as a gamer. And not that I've been part of this outcry, but to be a part of this community of gamers who love seeing games come out and love story-driven games like this, an outcry to having a character be somewhere on the sexual spectrum other than entirely straight is completely 
and utterly embarrassing for everybody. It really is. I mean, you know, once uh, I had finished the game, you know, I was able to kind of open Twitter and kind of browse through and and seeing um, some of the voice actors from Last of Us 2 um, screenshot and just kind of show like the messages that they were getting from people. Yes. It was just like, it just made me so upset and just made me... You know, Laura Bailey's getting death threats and DMs because she plays the voice of a character that kills Joel. Yeah. She's the voice of Abby. And what a, what a complete and actual utter embarrassment of of somebody to be sitting at, at a computer or a cell phone or just a... Com- what a miserable life you must lead to send a death threat to a voice actor over a character they played because the story of that character didn't go the way you wanted it to. I mean, how how absolutely childish and embarrassing for you as a person if you are one of these people. Hey, that is disgusting. And I believe, I think uh, Neil uh, Druckmann uh, had shown some tweets or some DMs that people were wishing... The director wishing, of the game, right? Yeah, he's... They're, sorry, yeah, the director of uh, Last of Us 2. Uh, people were wishing that he gets COVID and dies. Like, what are we doing here, people? Like... It's it's really difficult to align yourself with a crowd like that. And it should be, it should be said that gamers are, you know, the, this very vocal and very minor minority of gamers does not represent you know gamers as a whole but you see these score bombs on metacritic these user scores that are just plummeting this score downward and these people that are so vocal about something so inconsequential i told brian when i found out that this is why people were giving this game bad scores i can't imagine waking up in the morning and and being angry that a character didn't sexually prefer the same gender or the same sex that I did. What a comp- what an absolute joke. Like who really has that much time on their hands to be this mad? I, I don't know. You're right to to I you know go exactly to go out of your kids. way into uh he's got kids. Um to go out of their way and to score bomb this game because, you know, characters don't uh, you go against, you know, things that you might believe in. It's just it's, it's crazy. And then just these people just being vocal about it or just being nasty about it. You know, it's fine to say, hey, you know, to be uh, what to be critical in a in a, a respectful way. But like so like, oh, sure. Sure, and if there's there's things about the the game as a whole that you don't like, that's fine. Now I love stuff like that. If you don't, for perfectly legitimate gameplay or mechanic type reasons, that's your prerogative. I think that's fine. But to be mad over something like that, to to score bomb a video game over over something so inconsequential, really, in terms of the whole story, and I and I want to say too that. A lot of the controversy starts calling out that this is a social justice warrior propaganda. They're pushing, you know, this this kind of agenda onto people. Ellie is, like I said, not straight, whether whether entirely straight, whether she's bisexual or lesbian, whatever it may be. That point of the story really only comes into play for a split second, right at the very end when when one of the town members says something about it. Nobody else is even concerned that she's lesbian. Nobody brings it up. Nobody talks about it. It is just what it is. I've, I, it didn't occur to me, or it, it was so inconsequential to me, that her romantic interest also happened to be a woman. That, it, 
and to, and to to get so mad over something that was so inconsequential over the story absolutely blows my mind. Yeah, agreed. It, it didn't bother me one bit. It didn't affect the way that I played the game or looked at the game. You know, I just um, it, it it's it's sad that, like you said, it's 2020, and it, and we have to be having these kind these kind of conversations about such a great game, and right. but people want to highlight you know these and bring so much you know negativity to it. It's just it's it just makes you shake your head. It just it's upsetting because this is not what we should be talking to the game. We should be like, holy crap! I can't believe they killed Joel. I I did not see that coming. I truly did not exactly. see that coming. And you know, I did neither. So, I, I, yeah, we should be focusing on the the holy crap factors instead of the, well, Ellie's, you know, into Dina and what people were complaining that Abby looks butch and stuff like this that. This manufactured and it's just like, outrage. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy. Like, come on, people. Let's we've we've got better things to do. I will say too, just kind of in, in finale over all this, this episode is we've gone kind of long so far, but I do want to say that the meaning of the, of the title, The Last of Us, really kind of came full circle for me when you when you realize that, you know, these are kind of the last people that are available and they have problems and issues the same way that any of us would. And they're trying to deal with it the best way that they know how. And they make mistakes and they make bad decisions. And as you play these two characters, characters that are enemies of each other you start to realize that f- for both of them their biggest enemy is themselves you oh, know and yeah. and the bad decisions that they make constantly come back to haunt them but as a player too the bad decisions that or the decisions that you make as that player's enemy that character's enemy will come back and haunt you later also like when you end up killing Abby's dog and then you find that dog later as Abby after you've had a relationship with it. And so you end up making these terrible decisions, which you have to for the game. Correct. But they end up, you know, they end up coming back to haunt you. And I really like how that all came full circle. These 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 characters are down to the nitty-gritty of themselves and their spirits and their emotions. And I think that the the meaning of The Last of Us really took on a, a new definition for me. No, I agree. Like you said, they Ellie and Abby were kind of their own worst enemies and you know they the loved ones that they had around them once this was all said and done they really didn't have anybody but themselves i mean you know we we uh abby ended up leaving dina um at the farmhouse because she just could not let go that abby was still out there you know she she threw away a family life for to go hunt down Abby, so a painful like you scene. said, a painful yeah, scene. It really is. Like I said, man, the, the emotions in this game are just, and just talking about it, just kind of, you know, with it being so fresh, um, really still gets them stirred up inside of me. And there are a lot of comparisons, like you said, between Abby and Ellie, the PTSD that both of them suffer, the flashbacks that you go through with both of them, and how this this vision of a father figure of the only person in the world that they loved is their main driving force and you it's so sympathetic and so well written in my opinion i think they knocked it out of the park i do want to ask you finally something we do here on the media files an arbitrary rating for the game of the last of us doesn't have to make sense at all but what is your arbitrary rating score for the last of us part two it's gonna be 80 uh yeah it's gonna be 87 clubs to joel's head out of 80 Seven clubs. Oh to my Joel's gosh! 
that's brutal. Why would you bring that image back into my mind? I, I, oh, and it does it so many times in the game, too. There's so many flashbacks to that one scene. Oh, and it just gets you so bad. I think for me, it's it's 10 out of 10 uh, superhero trading cards or 10 out of 10 state quarters. Um, I just I loved everything about this game. I do think it's a 10 out of 10 for me. And I'm a I was a big fan of it. We want to know what you thought about The Last of Us Part 2. Write into us, reach out to us, and, and make sure you tune in next week because I know this, by by next week, most people will be tired of hearing about it, but me and a special guest are going to be discussing Hamilton on Disney+, Plus. so make sure you tune into that. But that's all the time we've got, and we want to thank you for sticking around to the end of this episode of The Media Files, and thank you, Dan, for being here this week. Where can we, uh, where can we reach you? Uh, yeah, th- uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me over at twitch.tv forward slash crazed11, K-R-A-I-Z-D-1-1. Uh, stream a variety of games, a lot of looter shooters. And uh, also look for the Last of Us 2 review that I'm writing for leveldowngames.com. I'm hoping to have that wrapped up here in the next few days. Uh, like I said, with with the emotions, it's, it's probably one of the harder reviews I've had to write. Uh, and I just want to make sure that I, you know, convey that emotion in it. So it's taking me Get a little right longer than I'm usual. Coming for you. Hey, exactly, right? I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't want everybody tweeting at me. I mean... <laughs> Please tell a friend, family, or coworker about the show so we can grow this little project into something meaningful. Special thanks to Brian for technical assistance, and don't forget to bookmark leveldowngames.com. I can be reached on Twitter or Instagram at Brewstoff, that's at B-R-U-C-E-T-O-P-H, or at the Level Down Games Discord with the link in the show description. Reach out to us with what you're looking forward to, and maybe we'll talk about it on an upcoming show. Until next time, be kind, be honest, and we'll see you later.